0: Worship was awesome this morning, wasn't it? Yay! Thank you, worship team. It's always awesome though. If you have a heart to worship, right? If you don't, it may not be so awesome. So, so I wanted to. I'm going to go ahead and get started this morning, and uh, <clears throat> I hope everybody's doing well. Um, if you're not doing well, it's not my fault. <laughs> but we will pray for you, and, and whoever's fault it is, we'll ask the Lord to. Make that right. How many people in this room feel kind of left out, have trouble feeling that? Raise your hand. Anybody raise? Stand up if you feel that way. I really want to pray for you because I I know about that. I kind of grew up feeling that way. And, you know, it's been a long journey to overcome feeling on the outside looking in and not feeling accepted. And, you know, that's just a difficulty. That's part of the fallenness. And that's what part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do uh, is to deal with that. It's, it's a spirit that operates in the world—a spirit of abandonment. Uh, we're all born into this world abandoned as orphans, um, and God wants to remove that off that thinking off of us as a mindset. Uh, and it—it is it, a process. You know, our minds are renewed. Um, but I just it's hard to overcome for some of us. It's really been a challenge. It was a big challenge in my life. And it really took a pretty powerful impact from the Lord to help me not feel that way. And it creates a lot of problems in your life. And I was just feeling this morning during worship that for people who felt that they didn't fit in or felt left out or felt like they were on the outside looking in, that God really wanted to draw you in and begin to bring a healing in your heart where you wouldn't feel abandoned, you wouldn't feel alone anymore. And so I want to just pray over you. Father, we just thank you today that you are a father and that you dearly love us. And Lord, we live in this world that's fallen and is hurtful at times. Uh, We live in a culture that wants, that you have to look a certain way or be a certain way to be accepted. And so many of us have never felt accepted and never felt we fit in anywhere. Uh, Lord, we want the the house of God to really be the true house of the Lord, uh, to be the true Father's living room where people feel accepted and don't feel like they have to measure up. They don't feel like they have to be something to be loved and to be valued. And I just ask you, Lord, today that you would just, I just curse that spirit, that 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 old orphan thinking, that thing. I just curse it off your people, Lord. Especially those who are standing today. And I break that commission over their life, Lord, that abandonment feeling, Lord. I break their life, Lord. I declare, Holy Spirit, come now and remove that off in them. Remove that thing off their hearts and off their thinking, that atmosphere that gets on gets on us, remove that atmosphere, Lord, and bring us into the atmosphere that we belong we are part of a family. We're, we're part of a family we 're part of a kingdom we 're part of you, Lord, and I just ask you to make that a reality for these people, Lord, make it a reality, not just a theology, not just a truth from the scripture, but a true reality in their life, Lord, Lord, we just release them from this this commission of abandonment this commission of being rejected and not measured we release that off of them today lord and release acceptance to them and love to them today lord we just thank you for that in the name of jesus amen lord
1: i just want to say that i struggle with that and then the lord reminds me that i have to stand against that by reaching out to people so, you know, to take go out of agreement that that's a lie and to reach out to people that
0: I know love me. Amen. That's good. I'm going to read this scripture to you, uh, Psalm 16, verse 11. This is one of my all-time favorite scriptures. Years ago, I was in this really desperate place. When I'm talking about years ago, I'm talking like 40 years ago. This is old. Y'all got any old stuff on you from a long time ago, like old words from the Lord? You know, I used to hear these preachers talking about, oh, that's that's got the whiskers have turned gray on that word. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whiskers has turned gray word over my life. But, and it was given to me in one of my most desperate, saddest, heartbroken moments of my entire life. I mean, it was really... And Becky and I, we were just at like the worst place, just absolutely crushed. And a friend gave this to us to comfort us. Uh, and it really did bring a lot of comfort. But what I didn't realize at the time, that this word would be a word that God would bring true in my life over the years. Okay? Over the years. So there's something about longevity in the Lord that God wants to put in us that that God is faithful. Okay, God is true to his word. God will accomplish his word. Uh, let me read this. This is it says you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures every more. There's so much power in this for us today. This is incredible. You know, uh, that song we were singing earlier—I uh, think we started with it. All these songs were real prophetic, feeling to me today. Every, every one of them was like speaking to me. But the one about in the morning you're good, and then I think it says in the evening you're good. Well, I was thinking about that. You know, morning—the morning of your life—as a young believer in the Lord. That's—that's that's how I was seeing that, and how—and you know—and you go through life, and and some of you are in the evening of the Lord. I'm not there yet, but, you know, maybe Don is, but, you know. He claims he's not. <laughs> I'm not saying he's dying, but I'm just saying, you know. But I'm just saying that God is good. Yeah, late afternoon, there you go. <laughs> I'm just saying that in the different seasons of our life, um, you know, God really is good. If we could begin to see that. Okay, and, and that's, I guess what I want to try to help you, what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do is help us to see something about our lives and about the word of the Lord over our life. You know, the Bible says this, you know, if you get a word from God, a true word from the Lord, it, it's going it's to come to pass. You know, the word always starts out as a seed. That's what it says in Matthew 13. That, that's one of the first, that is the parable let me just tell you about that parable just for a second. This is kind of, Lord help me. That parable, the parable of the sword, Jesus says if you can get that parable, you can get all parables. That's what Jesus said. Read it. It's a key parable because er, the word of the Lord always become, starts as a seed, a seed that's planted into a person's life. It, so it starts out small and little, okay? And, and then James says something interesting. He says, he says receive with meekness, the implanted word, receive with meekness the implanted word that is able to save your soul. And so many times the word, the the promise of God over your life that everybody in this room is probably contending about some promises, right? Is anybody who's not, there's something God has revealed to you at some point in your life. Whether you're conscious of it or not, you're contending to see that happen in your life. You're believing for that. You're hoping for that, or you're giving up on it and moving on with life. Um, you know, this. I've never contended for this, but God was contending for it. That's the beautiful thing about the Lord. We don't have to contend for everything. We don't have to fight for everything. God will fight for his word over your life. God will battle for you. If he has given you a word, he will fight to get that word to come to pass in your life. Now, that frees you, in a sense, because for 40-something years, God has worked this word. It was like it was working in the background of my life, and I never could put it all together. I never tried to put it all together until he started putting it together for me. Are you following me? Yeah. You know, the Bible says, I think in uh, uh, Zechariah 4.10, it says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. That's a, when, when the word of the Lord comes to you, it is a small beginning, You know, and we get a word from God and then nothing happens. Many times we get a word from God and the opposite happens. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It feels like everything that God has promised you and spoken over your life is going to be the opposite for you. Am I the only person in this room that feels that? You know, we're like the children of Israel. God says, Hey, I've got a land flowing with milk and honey for you. It's going to be awesome. And you're going to have your own place. And you need to leave where you are and go to it. And you wind up wandering in the desert for 40 years, trying to find that land. Not that God caused them to wander for 40 years, they caused it, but God used it, you know, to try them and test them. And so lots of times we, we can, you know, have a word from God that doesn't happen. But the, this is what he told Jeremiah. He said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over it. If you have a promise from the Lord today, I want to encourage you. God's watching over that word. He's looking at that word, and he is going to make that word come true if we'll let him. That's the key. Now, the Bible also tells us about Joseph in Psalm 105. It says... This is what it's speaking about Joseph. It says the Lord sent Joseph to Egypt. He said he sent a man before them. Okay? And it was Joseph. He sent him down to Egypt. Then the next verse it says they hurt him. They hurt Joseph. They being his brothers, they being the Egyptians. The very place that God sent him, his own family, they hurt him. It says the word and but then it says and the word of the Lord tested him until his time came. The word of the Lord tested him. So, so God's watching over his word. God's word begins small. But, the, but also the word of God over your life is going to cause you to be tested. Okay? Until your time comes. And a lot of people derail the word of the Lord over their life. Right? We do, we're impatient. We, we, want it, we want it tomorrow. We want it to look a certain way. We want it to be a certain way. Right? Am I talking to anybody in this room. But God says, you know, he's going to watch over his word, perform it. But his word is going to cause you a test in your life. It's going to test you. It's going to try your heart. That's what the word of the God does. Am I talking to anybody? Is there anybody being tested by the word of the Lord? You absolutely will. The promises of God over your life will test you to no end until your time comes. And in a day, Joseph went from being a prisoner to being the second in command of all these, and really saved the world at that time with, his, with the wisdom that God had given him. Isn't that beautiful how God does that? So impatience can set you back. And so I want to encourage you, don't be impatient with the Lord. That's why patience is a fruit of the Spirit. We need God. We need Him to create patience in us. We need to bear patience Why do we need to bear patience? So the word of the Lord can happen in our life. We can give the word of the Lord a chance to grow as a seed. Because many times you you put a seed in the ground, you don't see anything, right? You see nothing. You can take an acre and throw it in the ground and never see a thing for years. And literally one day there's a big oak tree there. And that's how the word of the Lord is. So if you've got a promise over your life, I want to encourage you that God's watching over that promise. But don't despise this moment that feels like a, a moment of small beginnings for you amen yes. I, am i talking to anybody i don't know if y'all are here with me this morning i'm just i'm just sad well there's three things in this verse going back to the verse this all that other stuff was just thoughts about this three things revealed in this verse okay first it tells us god has a path for our life that's that's what god was telling me way back 40 something years ago i got a path for your life byron I've got something for you. I've designed a plan for your life. I've got somewhere for you to go. I've got a place for you to go. I've got a place for you to walk. Now, your path is going to be unique. Everybody's path's not the same. You know, David was declaring this. This David David's Psalm, He he was declaring that God has a path for my life. And we had to know that God has a path for our life. And, of course, we know that path is the Lord himself, you know, uh, and in that path, is, you're going to find your identity, okay? That's what you're going to find on that path. You're going you're to find your identity on the path that God's given you to walk on, not somebody else's path. You know, you can't find your identity walking on another person's path. You'll find your identity. You'll find your purpose. You'll find the reason that God puts you on this earth, and you'll find your most fulfilling life walking on the path that God wants for you to have, that God offers you as a believer. Isn't that really beautiful? The next thing it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And that's the preciousness of God's presence. Let me just say that one more time. I want y'all to get this. I want you to think about how precious the presence of the Lord is. I, I, won't, I don't know. That was the one thing in my life. I wasn't getting that path thing 40-something years ago. I really was I was on my own path still then. I was a believer, but I had my own thoughts about how my life should go. God had different thoughts, and I'm thankful he did. But I did start picking up on that preciousness of the presence of the Lord. You know, and I've wondered about, you know, revivals and spiritual things that we experience, why people love revival. You know, there's lots of things when God moves It's awesome. You know, there's more healings, there's some salvations. But really the greatest thing about all that is the preciousness of the presence of the Lord. That people, when God moves like in a revival kind of situation or, or like a, just a move of the spirit kind of thing, whatever the difference is, I don't know, but who cares? That's what I, I don't care what you call it. I just want to be there. <laughs> but it's, it's, his presence is so real. And when a person begins to experience the presence of the Lord like that, you as a human being, you at that moment begin to become the person that God created you to be. That's why it says in his presence is fullness of joy because suddenly you experience the strength and in, in the, in the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what Nehemiah says, the joy. Of, we begin to experience the strength of life that God wants us to have. And we start becoming the person that God wants us to be. One of the things that just used to make me irritated so much and confounded I couldn't get is being in a move of the Lord and watching people. who were were like your classic pew setters. They come to church, they sit there, they never do anything, but when God moves, suddenly they come alive, and suddenly the real them emerges, and they begin to do whatever's in them. They begin to minister to people. They begin to preach the gospel. They begin to heal the sick, and and it's just amazing who they are. You're amazed at this former pew setter is now setting the world on fire around them, Okay, but then when the Spirit of the Lord starts ebbing down, they kind of ebb down with it. You know what I'm saying? They sort of lose lose touch with their real self. Are y'all following that? They begin to lose touch with that thing that was burning in this because they were riding this wave. And on that wave, they were everything they dreamed to be. But once the wave went down, they couldn't continue walking in it for whatever reason. Disappointment you know, or rejection, whatever it may be. And, you know, and it used to really frustrate me, but I've begun to understand, you know, that's just human nature. That's the way we are, you know. But God wants to, he wants to impart a, a heart attitude in us where his presence is the most precious thing there is. There is. Uh, there, there is. Let me say, why would we want a really nice church if we couldn't have the presence of the Lord with it? You know what I'm saying? Why Why would we want any of that? Why? There's nothing better than the presence of the Lord. There's nothing better. It is life. It is Christ's life being manifested, being made real. And I have a bad thing here. I don't know, you know, but I think there's people in this room who really or don't have that revelation in their heart about the presence that they would be willing to trade off the presence of the Lord for some other things. If you're one of those people, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, let me experience your presence like that. Because once you do, you will not turn back. You have the disease at that point. You know, you know disease is dis-ease. Everything else is going to make you dis-ease. You're going to be looking for the presence of the Lord everywhere you go in your life. That becomes the the primary factor for you. Isn't that beautiful? The preciousness. Now, you know, that presence, there's challenges associated with this because we do live in a fallen world, Um, you know. But then here's the third thing it says, at your right hand is pleasures. Don't you love that? pleasures ever at your right hand you know what the right hand in the bible represents power this what he's talking about jesus said this this is what he said this is his first preaching repent for the kingdom of god is where at hand what david was alluding to here was god's kingdom god's kingdom is god's power and what he was trying to tell us, this pleasure of the Lord, this preciousness of his presence, this path of life, we can find that in the kingdom. Are y'all hearing me? You can find it in the kingdom of God. That's where it is. It's, it's life-changing. Listen to this verse. Everybody knows it. Are y'all following this so far? Well, Good. Matthew six thirty three. everybody knows this, but this is very important right now for us, I really believe. It is for me. How many people have problems in their life that you can't solve? <laughs> Anybody got any unsolvable problems? Well, I've had these unsolvable problems, okay? For months on end, the seeking the Lord, like how do I solve this problem? I need an answer from heaven. I prayed every prayer that I knew to pray. And finally, one day, I decided something is not working in my life because God doesn't seem to care about what I, I'm going after and I realized I was seeking not first the kingdom are you hearing what I'm telling you my prayers became something not necessarily about the kingdom I wanted an answer where God was saying your answer's in the kingdom Byron and if you'll seek the kingdom you'll find the answer there are y'all hearing that That's what he was telling me. And so I began to shift my praying to more like, Lord, I need to see your kingdom manifested in this situation here. I need your kingdom to come in this place. I need it to come forth. I need it to begin to have influence in this situation. And once I began to do that, God began to release wisdom to me to know how to see that kingdom work. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All these things. thats what Jesus said. Now, his righteousness, have you ever wondered about what that means? Or am I the only dumb person in the room that didn't automatically know this? I mean, like, duh. You know what that means? His righteousness means Jesus. Jesus, it says, Paul's told us this in Corinthians, Christ, Jesus, has become our righteousness. So seek first the kingdom of God and seek first God's righteousness who has become our righteousness, Christ. If we will begin to seek, do y'all see that? If we'll begin to seek that first in our life, then something can happen in your life. He says all these things will be added. Everybody say added. Added. Who's a math major in here? (laughs) Math majors, one, Marlon, come on. Well, you know about adding and subtracting, right? There's something that's called addition and subtraction. Everybody should know that by now. If you don't, talk to Marlon. Uh, there's another one right there, Linker. You're a math one. And there's one. And see, there's three math people in here. Talk to any one of these if you ain't getting this added and subtracting business, because this is important. These things will be added. Guess what? If we don't seek first the kingdom, we could say it like this, seek yourself, seek your will, seek what you want first, and all these things are going to be subtracted from your life. There's a subtraction that begins to take place in the Spirit, just like there's an addition that takes place in the Spirit. And and see, a lot of people, and me and most of us, we have experienced subtraction. When God didn't mean for us to... Now, there's times when God wants to remove things from us, but if he removes something, it's because he wants to add something. But there's times when we've caused subtraction to happen because of where our affections were, because of what we were going after. All these things will be added to you. All, that's what Jesus said. See, we have to begin to to take this. I want to read this to you, this little thing here that I read years ago that really spoke to me. It's really where God began to really speak to me a lot more uh, about what I'm fixing to share with you. How many people here know who E. Stanley Jones was? Anybody know who, who E. Stanley? Y'all don't know who E. Stanley Jones is? Y'all, you're missing the boat. Everybody should know who E. Stanley Jones is. He is famous in my house. He's world famous. I wish Becky was in here because she is like the East Stanley Jones girl. East Stanley Jones was a Methodist missionary in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s time frame who did an amazing amount of work in India mostly. But also he was used to speak to many world leaders. That's what kind of guy he was. He even negotiated with the emperor of Japan to try to stop World War II. That's how, how much clout this man carried. He, this guy was amazing. He has this little devotional called In Christ. You should read it. It will challenge you big time. Well, E. Stanley, uh, yeah, he spoke to me and Gandhi. He had many conversations with Gandhi back, you know, back in the day, back when all this was, when these people were around. But after World War II, Okay, he was in West Germany preaching. Okay, you know, at that time, Germany was a divided nation. There was East Germany, which was under the communist bloc, West Germany, which is under democracy, because you had Russia and the United States as the one who basically defeated the Nazis. And so they split it up down the middle. Let me tell you this interesting story. This is just fascinating to me. Um, at towards the end of the war, the United States was coming in on one side and the Russian army was coming in on the other side uh, and pinning the German army down. The Germans who were facing the Russian armies literally fled to the other side to be captured by the Americans because they were so afraid of what the Russians were going to do to them. Because Hitler absolutely, there were four groups of people he absolutely hated. One of them, of course, everybody knows, were the Jewish people. The second group were the Slavs; those were Russian people, the Slavic people, homosexuals, and Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> if you were one of those four people in Germany, you better get out fast in those days, because he was going to—he was going to—he was going to kill you or make you his slave. And that was his whole thing with with Russia was to enslave Russia and make them people serve, you know, his thing. And so I just thought that was curious, you know, how we were viewed. Um, I do want to say this about the United States, y'all. We have some sins that we need to repent of as a nation, okay? We really do. I think some of the sorrows that we are experiencing is there are some things that our government has done in the world that have not been pleasing to the Lord. And I think we really need to to own up to it, honestly. You know, I think we really do. And, and if you begin to study some of the wars and some of the things that have happened in the world, you, you'll start seeing a picture of us that we don't, we don't approve of that we would say, that's wrong, that's an injustice, that's wrong, that needs, to, that needs to be made right before the Lord, or are we going to keep this demonic thing working against us? Anyways, that's another whole story. Uh, but this is about subtraction. This is the lesson, this was a great lesson from history about, about subtraction. Uh, this is what uh, E. Stanley said. I was speaking in a cathedral in West Germany on the kingdom of God. On the front seats were prominent German leaders. As I spoke, they kept pounding their benches with their fist. I was puzzled. I didn't know what it meant. Was it for me or against me? But at the close, they revealed what the beating of the benches meant. This is what these German leaders said. You seem to sense why we turned to Nazism. Life, life for us was at loose ends, compartmentalized. We needed something to bring life back into wholeness, into total meaning and goal. We thought Nazism could bring back that whole. We thought that, but it let us down. It let us down in blood and ruin. That's a nation talking. These were people that were former Nazis. We chose the wrong totalitarianism. We now see that we were seeking, what we were seeking was the kingdom of God, but we didn't know it. That's why we pounded the benches. We missed the kingdom of God. Isn't that powerful? Isn't it powerful how a whole nation could be so broken and so empty that they needed just at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, that's what they were seeking. They were seeking that life of meaning, that life of fulfillment. They were seeking that. What they were seeking in their heart was of God. But what they bought into was of the devil. They bought into to the Nazi theology. They didn't realize that they were buying into something so evil and that would ultimately destroy them and destroy lives of millions and millions of people. And so that, I mean, that to me is what subtraction on a, on a, on a global, national level looks like. It's when a people become so devoid of God's kingdom and they're so searching for what God has promised each of us. You see, for each of us, we're going to we're searching for that whether we understand what that's what we're searching for or not. We're all searching for what the king only the kingdom can give us. Every one of us in this room, every human being on this planet because God created us for that he created us to long for that to long for his presence to long for his rule to long for world to come into this world but if we're not careful we'll find substitutes and this was a very evil subject these I don't believe every German person who embraced Nazism was a bad human being wanting to murder they were people just like you and I actually they were just normal people And they were in a desperate situation because Germany was in a desperate situation. You know, I've read letters. This is crazy. Letters between family members about Nazism. Very reminiscent of what we hear today in the United States. The division in families over, is Nazism a good thing? No, it's a bad thing. Even in families, there was this division developing okay, over it, because it was they were unsure about it, because, and nobody, you know, nobody really has the ultimate answer of why Nazism became what it became, except East Stanley. To me, that answered it right there. There's lots of reasons, you know, the German people found themselves. They were in terrible shape because of World War I, economically, and Hitler did. Let me just say this. Hitler did some great things for the nation of Germany. All the way to the end of the war, he took care of the soldiers and their families and the common people. He made sure they all fed and ate. But the problem, the way he did it, it was on the backs of other people. It was stuff he stole from the Jews he killed and from the when he plundered Poland and these other nations, France. You know what I'm saying? So that they, were in a, they were in a mess. We're we're like that today. We have, a, we have these extremes. We have, these, we have this, this hunger for this. And so what, what's, what's coming? Oh, Marxism suddenly becomes, for, for a younger generation and even some older generation, suddenly it becomes attractive. Why is it attractive? It's attractive because they're looking for something. They're looking for the kingdom, but they don't know it. Look, that's why this whole Marxism thing or this whole right-wing you know, Christian nationalism thing has suddenly become a thing. If people are looking for something like those people in Germany, they're looking for the kingdom of God and they don't know it and they're, they're, going, they're going for something they think that's going to make them happy, that's going to give them fulfillment, that's going to make our country a good country to live in. The Germans actually thought that for a while. Nazism is going to make Germany a great country again. We'll be a good good country. We'll help other countries. This is going to work. They literally thought that the people of Germany did. And they were totally deceived. And I'll tell you something. Our answer, the church's answer is the kingdom. The answer for my life, whatever I'm substituting for, the, for, for this thing to end me, to hunger's, because I do have a hard hunt. Becky was asking me, I asked Seth to tell me what his spiritual strength was. You know, y'all, if y'all didn't listen to his video, you should. I'm not going to tell you what he said in it, but it was good. But Becky's, well, what is your spiritual strength, Byron? I thought, dang, I don't know. I have no clue what my spiritual strength, but I do know this. I got a desire, I got a hunger in me for something beyond this, beyond the natural. I have a hunger for God that God gave me. But if I'm not careful, I can substitute the kingdom of God and Christ himself for something else and it can bring me to ruin like it brought them to ruin because it will be subtracted. Did I make this point or not? (laughs) Are y'all getting this? I'm not just talking about our country now. I'm talking about us personally, each one of us. I'm not, talking, I'm not trying to be political here. I'm talking about I believe the answer for our country is God's kingdom. That's the ultimate answer because we can give them the best political answers in the world, but at the end of the day, people are still... Looking at my right hand are pleasures evermore, says the Lord. That's the life I've invited you into. I want you to begin to experience that and begin to taste that. And the only way you will, and the only way your life is going to have a sense of fulfillment and a sense of purpose is in the kingdom. That is the only way, y'all. That's our only answer. That's why the body of Christ is in the world. That's our job is to get this kingdom flowing in us so we can flow to other people. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> years ago, the Lord told me this. This is years ago in my journey about this kingdom thing. He said, Byron, you need to be careful careful about vacuums or voids. I'm like, what, do you mean? what does that mean? Well, you know, nature abhors a vacuum, right? Is there any science people in here right now? That's, it does, doesn't it, Marlon? That's a scientific fact. If there's a vacuum in nature, something Well, if there's a vacuum in your heart, there's something going to fill it. If there's a void in your life, there's something looking to fulfill it. And there's only one thing that should fill it, and that's Christ and his kingdom. That's the thing, and that's what he was telling me, Byron. You can't have these voids in your life. You can't have these voids in your thinking. Because if you have a void in your thinking, something's going to fill your mind with thoughts. You better let me have that thought. You better give me those thoughts. Let me have into your mind. Support it. You know, so I believe one of the things that for, for the losses that we've all suffered personally and ultimately, you know, that we're suffering in the world, the whole world's suffering right now, is they can only be rest- restored when, as much as the kingdom of God is restored into our hearts. And that becomes the first thing we seek. I think that's the key for for restoration. The restoration of all things is not going to happen apart from the kingdom being restored to us, and we become people of the kingdom and desirous of the kingdom and seeking the kingdom above all else and his righteousness being Christ above all else That's, that's our answer, and I believe that's the solution to the problems of the United States of America. In the nations of the world, I think it's the kingdom of God. I think there is not another solution outside of it. There's good answers. There's things that should be done, obviously, politically, blah, blah, all that. But I am not none of those things, so I don't know how to tell them to do that. But I do want to tell them this. God's kingdom, come. Come in our government. Come in our government. Come in our governor. Come in our president's. Come, that's what we need. We don't need all this. We need the kingdom to come forth to manifest to begin to influence the decisions and choices that are being made and the policies and the directions of our nation. We really do. All right, I can talk a little bit more, yes or no? I can stop right now and be happy as a you know, pig I can be happy as a pig and slop, right? Y'all know about that, yeah. Pigs love slop. Yep. Yeah. So, can I, I'm going to read this verse to you. Uh, this is classic. Y'all know this. Blessed are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew five three. That is the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody, not the Sermon on the Amount. Pete gave us the Sermon on the Amount. <laughs> <laughs> Did you love that, Pete? Good job. The Sermon on the Mount called. The, that was Jesus' one it's called one of Jesus' greatest sermons. I think there's, gosh, I forget how many verses they are in it. But uh that he begins with the kingdom. He that's his first thing. And he says, This is this is how this kingdom thing works. Okay? It's given to people who are meek enough to receive it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Okay? Poor in spirit. Have y'all had a hard time with that phrase before? I mean, because I think poor in spirit. I'm not poor in spirit. I I have got Jesus in my spirit. I got the Holy Ghost in my spirit. How in the world am I poor in spirit? If I got all that, here's what he's saying, y'all. He's saying poor in who you are in self. If you're willing to become poor in self-life, if you're willing to become poor in who you think you are and what you can do and what you can't do, if you're willing to become impoverished in that area, then the kingdom of God will find a place in your heart. And the kingdom of God can begin to work through your life. That's all he's looking for. That's That's what the kingdom's looking for. It's looking for people who don't have the answers, who are willing to lay down what they think they know, who are willing to embrace the weakness of themselves. That's what the kingdom is looking for. The kingdom of God is looking for that place. It's like a river flowing through those lowest points, and it's trying to find those points, and if it can find that point in you, then it becomes yours. It becomes yours, and and of course, in salvation, that's how we get saved, right? We can't save ourselves. And so we get saved, but then we think we can do this Christian life thing. And we can do this kingdom of God thing. We can do this thing. We can do that. We think all this. But that ain't how the kingdom works. he said it's going to start right here. And that's just the way it's going to be. And if you can stay at a place in your life where you're little and he's big, then God, the kingdom, can manifest in your life. That's really what he's saying. And it really and it's really important in our Christian life. I think I mentioned to you last week I didn't say it in as nice a way I'm, It's about the older I got, which I'm not that old, you know Amen. yay, <laughs> I'm not that old really, but I'm older than I was you know at some point in time is the more dependent I have become on the Lord. I'm in a place in my life where I feel very dependent on the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, I have hated that feeling. I have hated, I think I've shared this with y'all before, I'll share it again, this is one of my dark secrets of my life, is, Lord, I just, am I ever going to get to the place where I can preach without feeling just absolutely broken every time I go to do it? Am I ever going to get to the place where I feel like I know what I'm doing? And I suffered for the, with that for years And until the Lord said one day, is that what you really want? And I knew it instantly what he was saying. You see, God wants us to be dependent. He wants us to feel the need that we have of him. And to know that whatever you're doing, if it's preaching or if it's driving a dump truck, I got this need of God. I need him. If I don't have him, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall flat on my face. That's, That's being poor in spirit. You know, we don't need to be the people of all the answers. We need to be the people of one answer. It's the kingdom. That's our answer. That's all we know. If we can get the kingdom operating, then we're going to be good. Well, here's another interesting thing about this. Are you okay? Oh, I love this. All the power belongs to the, to the meek. All the powers of the kingdom, all the forgiveness, all the love, all the joy, all the peace, all the righteousness, it's all yours. It's all given to the people who will receive it, who will humble themselves. Well, I love, I, read, I said this last week. I'm just going to say it again this week about the prayer because that's the other big thing in this Sermon on the Mount is prayer. Actually, if you go and study the Sermon on the Mount, 20% of it has to do with prayer. Did y'all know that? 20% of the Sermon on the Mount is directed about prayer. And Jesus said this is how we get the kingdom flowing and moving is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think I said this last week, but I'm going to say it a nicer way. I probably was a smart aleck last week when I said it. I can be a smart aleck, by the way. You know, I found that out hanging out with one of my grandkids, like, God, that kid's so much like me. Why has he got such a smart mouth? <laughs> like, uh, I think I need to pay attention here. Anyways, uh, I This is what I believe. Jesus was present. Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Pray that way, even though the king and his kingdom was there. What a better way may be to say this Your kingdom come forth. The kingdom is here, y'all. It really is. The kingdom of God is here. It came when Jesus came, it never left, and it's never going to leave. He left it here. What he wants us to do is like, your kingdom come forth. Your kingdom have influence. Your kingdom manifests. In fact, some people actually believe that is not just a petition prayer. It's more of a decree prayer or declare. In other words, instead of saying, Lord, Lord, bring your kingdom. I need your kingdom. It's more like kingdom of God come forth. A lot of people really believe that. I'm not smart enough to know. Okay? But I do know this. The kingdom's here, and the way it gets released is through prayer or through the spoken word. Because Jesus said, you had the keys of the kingdom when he spoke to Peter. And how did Peter release it? He got up and spoke it. And when he spoke on the day of Pentecost, the kingdom of God was released. Y'all just sitting there looking at me badly, 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 you know. So I believe the Lord really, that's that's the reason, you know, for this prayer is that we, that's how we release the kingdom is through these declarations and through these prayers that we begin to speak. So if you're a sick person and somebody prays, Father, bring your kingdom, release the kingdom into their body. Bring it forth, let it manifest in their body, in their physical body. Because we know that people are already healed, right? By his stripes we were healed. What we're trying to do is bring the manifestation of that healing. And that's what the kingdom of God does. I hope this is helping somebody. I do Because this is where we're at now. We want to change our government. We want to get rid of all this craziness in our world, you know, left and right. We need to be start bringing the kingdom. You know, we, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Your kingdom come, your will be done is the most agreeable prayer that anybody in this world could pray. It's in total agreement with God. If you want to know a prayer that God totally, 100% will agree with is pray that prayer. He is, because of course he does. Jesus is the one who said pray it, right? I mean, can he be wrong? Obviously not. Oh, okay. I went through, I want to just read, I went through every Greek dictionary and thing I could find on that word come. And this is all the meanings that I could find. Appear is one of them. Kingdom Appear. Uh, come forth come before the public, come forth, show yourself, find place or influence, be established, become known isn't that powerful? Show yourself <laughs> one time becky's <laughs> Becky's mama was kind of a crazy person. If y'all, if some of y'all knew her. She was a very prophetic person, but she was kind of, you know, didn't have no prophetic etiquette about her. You know, she had just blurt out stuff randomly. I mean, my favorite story about her is on the night, of, right before 9-11 happened, in the middle of the night, she was spending the night with us. Okay, and, that, and you know, the next morning 9-11 happened. She wakes us up. Get up! Get your money out of the bank! That's what she told us. Like, go to sleep, I don't have no money. That's what I told her. And the next morning, 9-11 happened. See, she was seeing something in the spirit that she knew the economy was gonna be wrecked. She didn't understand. That was her way of just her. That's the way she prophesied at the most inopportune times. Like, please, never take that woman to church. Never. You would be humiliated I'll tell you what she did one time. I'm just going to stop on this. One time, we were at this church in Charlotte called St. Giles Presbyterian Church, which is a very famous and amazing spirit-filled Presbyterian church in Charlotte. It's a pretty, pretty good-sized church. So we're in the church there, and, of course, she's sleeping, sitting there sleeping. And the pastor gave an opportunity for people to stand up and give testimony. They did all that. They were finished. They were moved on. And so he starts preaching. He's in the middle of his message, and she's sitting back there in the back, stands up, and just all of a sudden she wakes up, looks around, and stands up and starts saying something. And I'm going like this. She's not with me. I don't know who this crazy woman is. Thank God that pastor, his name was Percy Burns, was a very gracious and loving and wise man. He listened to her. Then he went on with his sermon and he took what she said somehow and wove it into his sermon to kind of affirm this crazy old woman. She was amazing. Yeah, she really was. I don't know why I'm telling you all that. Becky's not in here. To... Well, you know, I was telling Denise Moose this morning, you know, she lost her mother a few weeks ago. Like, well, your mama lives on in you. You know, whatever your great attributes, your mom. Well, uh, uh, Becky's mama lives on in Becky. (laughs) I can tell you that right now. She really does. So maybe I should stop there, y'all. You know. You know. In all seriousness, I do think the reason I'm trying to talk to y'all some about the kingdom of God is I feel like the Holy Spirit is talking about the kingdom to us. I think we 've spent a lot of time talking about uh you know the world events I mean I, and we need that 's a must. we should talk about those things we should talk about and understand those things um, and but I think we need to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I think if we 'll do that, a lot of things will begin to start working in our lives. I think there 's something God wants to do. To make things start working in our lives, that's that's what I feel like He wants to do. I feel like there's promises over people's lives that God. It's just we're in a time where I feel like He wants to begin to bring those promises. It's you know we've been to, you know we've been through some stuff. Everybody in this room has, but I think it's time, you know, for those promises to begin to come forth. I really do. And I think as we begin to seek first the kingdom, it gives opportunity for the word of the Lord to begin to manifest in our life and begin to take effect in our life. That's what I believe. I think it's time for us to move forward. But what is moving forward? It's moving forward in his kingdom and seeing his kingdom come, and his will being done. That's moving forward. And that is what will launch you into your destiny. It will launch you into your purpose. It will launch you into your identity. All of it. Don't let impatience derail you. Don't let your self-life derail you. Don't. I can testify as one thing. I can say God has been faithful in the morning like we saying, and he's been faithful in the evening of my life. God, or good, I think that's word, and he has been. There's been times when it didn't feel good, and there's been times when it didn't look good. You know, all of that, you know, like even when I don't feel that you're still moving, I I can tell you he has been in my life, even when I didn't even know God was at work, I felt deserted by God. I felt just lonely and busted. God was still doing what God did. And God has been a loving God to me and a faithful God to me, and he has loved me over and over and over when I least deserve it. And he wants everybody in this room to experience that, and have this thing in you where you go the long haul with God. And you'll see your promises. You will get your answers on, on whatever it is in your life. Amen? Amen. Let me just, just end. Who did this? <laughs> you did. Come on, y'all stand up. It's your fault, Corey. Yeah, it's your fault. Woo! Lord help. Yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, come over here, though, so everybody can enjoy what you got to say. Y'all, if y'all would like to, uh, hey, you know, speaking of prophetic people, sharing masses is very prophetic. Come here. she. If you want a word from the Lord, you can ask her to give you one. No pressure. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Well, during uh, worship, I felt like the Lord was um, giving us a call to war. And, uh, I mean, especially when uh, you were on the keyboard, whew, I mean, that was really powerful. But um, the the thing that I felt like he was saying is that it's not a call to ordinary war. He's asking us if we will join him in his war. And his war is assured victory. We will not be defeated. If we join with him and fight the war, like Byron is saying, using the word of God, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, right? So if we agree with those battles in our lives to bring righteousness into that situation, peace into that situation, joy into that situation, we are guaranteed victory, how could we not
0: rejoice in that? Amen. All right, I'm going to give you John L's quote again. John L, make sure I get this right. That's another person that's powerful is John L, Logan. Raise your hand, John L, so people can come and you can lay hands on them. And Yeah, because she has a hunger to minister to people. Uh, and she's waiting on the Lord to do something for her. But my thing is, won't you just go ahead and start doing doing your ministry now? You know, John L. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're a little shaky in your body, nobody cares. God, all they care about is what you got to give. But John L.'s word was this: trust, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord leads to rest. Rest. Say it. Okay. Worship leads you to trust. Mm -hmm. Trust leads to rest. Rest is warfare on autopilot. (laughs) I love that. Starts with worship. (laughs) I think think that's the best thing ever. I'm thinking autopilot. I'm into autopilot worship or or, or warfare. Get them, God. (laughs) You know, just get them. Tell the Lord, think about your problem. Think about it for just a second. I got this problem. Kingdom of God, come forth. Come to kingdom of God. Show yourself in that problem. Show yourself. Show yourself. Show yourself. Show yourself. Show yourself. Lord, I want to just ask for people again. I just feel a heart for people um, that, that you... It's back to that same thing that you would feel so much acceptance from God and from other people, the people you need to be accepted by. You would really experience that this coming week, that they would be, you would feel, you would feel your path. You would feel your sweet spot in life. It would come forth for you. I just pray that for you. I just ask you, Lord, to do that for every person in this room. Because God... We're not trying to please men, but God did create us to have a need to be accepted on this earth. He really did, and he wants you to know that you're accepted in the beloved. He really does want you there.
2: All right, is that all good? Yeah. Anybody like anything? I was going to say something Byron like, Well, if you didn't, that's not his fault, but that's okay. Let's, we're going to conclude, but let me say this. There is, I think, opportunity this morning to make sure that our hearts are aligned with pursuing the kingdom of God. right? If that's what we want, right, church? If that's really the passion that we have, then let's make sure we're there. Okay? So as we dismiss, the ministry team's going to come forward. They're up here to meet with you. If you feel like you're not on the right path, right? Byron was talking about there's nothing going to be more valuable to you than being on the path that the Lord's created for you. If you're not on that path, let's get you on it. Okay? Is that fair? The other thing he talked about that really stood out to me was when you have a void in your heart, you're going to fill it with something. So if you've had a void in your heart and you've filled it with something that is not pursuing the kingdom of God, why don't you come up and just pray that with somebody? Why don't you choose to give that up this morning? I think we have a really great opportunity to really make sure our hearts are aligned with pursuing the kingdom of God. Is that good? Well, bless you. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we go away from this place, that you would put a desire on our heart to pursue you above all else, that we would desire to see your kingdom made manifest as we live and dwell in it. Lord, help us bring it to our neighbors. Help us bring it to our coworkers and our family members. Amen. Hold on one second.
0: Everything you read, everything's on news. There's a far left and a conservative right, and there is a pull on you. But if you're centered on Christ Jesus and your focus is on him, these things won't have the draw. That would fall, cause you to fall down. Your focus needs to be perfect on Jesus. And those won't influence you. Because
2: they're not your purpose. Right. Come on. Yeah. Right? They're not your purpose. Oh God, be our purpose. Be our purpose above all else as we go from this place above our jobs, above whatever it is that we pour our passions into. Lord, I just pray that you would be our first passion. That you would be our first passion. Amen. Amen. Be blessed this week. If you have kids, go get them because they're back in class and they need you to come get them.